Hey guys, Jason Clark here. I want to introduce this podcast. You might hear my kids and my family in the background. I'm in my office. They're making coffee and doing what they do. At the beginning of the year, Derek came over like he does once a week at least, and we dove in. Uh, this time it was just the two of us. We dove into Christ in you, the hope of glory, our union, Christ in you. It's already happened. Uh, the finished work of the cross, evangelism, identity, how to love our enemies. We dove into uh, what it is to live convinced that we're loved. Uh, this Christian life can be lived from the abundance, from our union, instead of toward it or for it. Yeah, it's a good one. When it comes to the recording side of things, that that's, uh, falls on me. And uh, I am not the most technically proficient. It's a crapshoot every time, and I'm not a gambler. So uh, this particular uh, episode, we had been going for about an hour, having I mean, some good stuff, when all of a sudden my computer just froze. And uh, yeah, we lost it. So I just pushed record again, and we just kept going. Guys, before we dive in, just want to thank everyone for being on the journey with us. This has been incredibly uh, rewarding. Tell you, Derek and I get encouraged connecting with the guests uh, as well as uh, listeners. So appreciate you guys uh, coming on this journey with us. Listen, uh, share it, like it, write a review. That actually helps people find the podcast. At, um, I don't know how it works, but yeah. Reach out to us too. Uh, let us know if there's a particular guest you think uh, we should have on or a particular subject you want us to, to run at, uh, a particular area where you've been rethinking God. This is uh, this is all part of the journey, and we're just excited to go on it with you. All right, we're diving right into the deep end here. We're an hour in, so you get to catch up. Conversation going. Hey, that was just for us. That was private. <laughs> that was just friend stuff. <laughs> secret place stuff. I know. We didn't, you know, the secret <laughs> place stuff. Oh, man. You were on a roll, and I interrupted you. <laughs> no. No, no. Uh, hey, we're... We're diving into this whole Christ in you. Yeah, the mystery. The mystery of the entire gospel, Paul calls it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. glory. Listen to the Passion Translation on this verse. All right. He says, uh, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me, to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in (laughs) Jesus Christ. And then here it is. There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise, that's been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation mm-hmm. of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. So Paul yeah. is making this distinction between every holy believer is going to experience this. Yeah. But the reality is he wants everyone to know yeah. Christ embedded in you. Yeah. And like, so what does that mean, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean that Christ is embedded in you? And when did he get embedded in you? <laughs> right, right. This is the awakening that's happening within the church right now. I think so. This is, um, it's going to be hard not to reference because we'd already been recording, lost some of that. But this is the uh, the storm that we've seen over this 2020. We're now the first few days of 2021. Right. Um, that has done some shaking. Yeah. Um, that uh, the the foundations have been exposed, if you will. Some of the foundations, some of the shaky foundations uh, within the church. Obviously, there's a whole lot of other things going on, but I think within the church, some of the shaky foundations we've had regarding what the cross is, what Jesus was actually doing there, what we've built uh, upon outside right. of reconciliation, where we've we've got a theology that that has separation built into it, right? Uh, where we've got <clears throat> messes right now taking place, 
on social media and in, in churches, um, but on the other side, an awakening. Yeah. Well, and that, that's been like my pursuit. Uh, I sat down with our, our staff, our team, just the other day, yesterday, and I said, listen, here, here's the theme for the year. I just believe this is what God has for us. Christ is our message, and we're here to awaken hearts. <laughs> like, it, it's that simple. Awaken hearts to what's already. To what is a reality of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Paul says here, this is a divine mystery. But, you know, I think it's the King James that says Christ in you. We've always kind of focused on the like me in Christ realities, like, oh, right. I'm risen with Christ. Yeah, yeah. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. <laughs> I mean, especially in my context and growing up in that word of faith environment, uh, the in Christ realities. E.W. Kenyon was a big proponent of the in Christ realities and he has, his influence is embedded in all of that. But I, I kind of just saw it flipped in this verse where yeah. Paul says, well, it's not so much you in Christ, it's yeah. Christ in you. You in Christ is, is puts a whole lot of the weight on our end. Correct. Puts a whole lot of striving and pressures and like how do I get into how do Christ? I get into Christ? Right. right. That's that was the first thirty years of my life. How, how do I get into Christ? Sarah I'm outside of Christ today. Right, right. Sarah the other day heard somebody say it this way. It's like fishing for minnows when you're standing on the back of a whale. Oh my gosh, that's good. You're right, already right, right. on the whale. Yeah, yeah, quit quit yeah. fishing for minnows. Oh my gosh. But but I, I just I, I just feel like there's there's a simplicity of the undiluted gospel. Yeah. Like the good news yeah. of Christ in you, yeah. the hope of glory. Yeah. Uh First of all, the first word there is ho- that it's hopeful. Yeah. I mean, coming out of 2020, I mean, what's the thing that I think we, we need more than anything? It, it's hope. It's a fresh revelation of hope. Right. And he says, this is it. Christ in you is the hope. Yeah. And so um, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts. And the terminology here in the Passion Translation says Christ embedded within us. Yeah. And he wants everyone to know it. Yeah. So this isn't just like, I'm not just talking to believers here. I'm not just talking to people who have uh, recognized the value of the cross, the yeah, resurrection. Yeah. Right. You know, they, they've prayed yeah. the prayer. They've walked the aisle. This is for everyone to know. Yeah. Christ embedded in you. Yeah. And so. Um, it changes evangelism. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Right? We talked about that a little bit. What if the world is already reconciled to Christ and we are simply awakening to this beautiful gospel? That's what I wrote uh, earlier this week. Uh, uh, While I was writing about scripture, writing about the hard stuff, writing about the fact that most of my life, until the last 12, 15 years, was spent on the minutiae, was spent trying to get, like, I I love that, man, trying to get into Christ was, was really what I was doing, it was mostly what was being taught from the platform. It was mostly what I understood. And the it wasn't what I understood naturally in my relationship with God. It wasn't what I understood naturally in my relationship with my wife. I mean, the true relationships aren't, aren't built on insecurity. Yeah. They're not built on me striving to somehow make sure I'm right with you today. Right. It's built on trust, right. built on intimacy. But man, my, my religious experiences were had had separation baked into them yeah we were talking before uh uh i lost all of this stuff (laughs) (laughs) that was our private conversation it was our private conversation there were there were things that were spoken that were only for you and me (laughs) well you know uh there were also things that that i feel would have changed the world (laughs) and unfortunately man i really hope they come back out (laughs) i lost them (laughs) But but one of the things we were talking about uh, late in the conversation was the difference between friendship and um, service, servanthood, yeah, servanthood, yeah. and and uh, don't recall how we got there. But well, I, we were talking about leadership, yeah, and, and you you were talking about how the the pressure of the calling, right, was there when. Jason, you got a call on your life. You're called of God, right. and you're going to do That's this right. and do that. And there's a calling, and and then immediately you you were fed that information. Like, well, how do you know if you're a leader? Well, right. 
look behind you and see if there's people following you. If there's people following you, then you're a leader. Right. And uh, I looked behind me. That when I heard that uh, early in life, I was like, well, that makes sense. That's how you know you're a leader. You got to look behind you and see. And then I was like, the problem is, is like my wife's there. Uh, well, she's kind of more beside me, and and she's kind of committed. Like she can't really go anywhere. And then we got these three kids, and uh, I feed them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, yeah. But but I think what we what we came to was that the pressure of finding and fulfilling your calling. Yeah. When really the calling is something that God is proclaiming from heaven that says, "Receive my son." Yeah. That's the call. That's the call. So today you've answered moment. that call. When your heart has been awakened to the goodness of the gospel, to yeah. the goodness of uh, God becoming one of us to rescue all of us. Yeah. The incarnation, Jesus in the flesh, God himself on that cross yeah. to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And the pressure, we, talk, we talked a little bit about our kids and the, and the, the pressure um, that I felt at a younger age to fulfill the call, to f- figure out what the call was, to, to somehow experience uh what god has put me on the why am i here why am i on the planet you right, know and, and, right. and one of the stories i've shared with you is in my 30s i was writing prone to love discovering uh, this measureless love discovering uh the most profound um revelation which really was a part of when i was five and said yes to jesus but i was awakening to it it was simply that love is measureless that the moment i think i got it it's greater than that and that i have been invited to live from that measureless wealth instead of somehow for it and, and really another way of saying it you already said is that i've been invited to live already in union with christ instead of trying to figure out how to get in i'm already in and he's already in me like this is right this is a done deal the reconciliation at the cross was that all the world the whole world was reconciled in christ right before the foundations of the world and we're awakening to it um but i i was writing prone to love and that was that i was like the that was a foundational thesis upon which the rest of my life to some extent is built upon and and uh and yet we were in a season financially where we were 18 months ultimately behind on our mortgage and couldn't eat there wasn't enough we were eating but um, yeah when people talk about ramen noodles is the only thing yeah like mm-hmm. we were we were in tough situations financially lost our business but because of this revelation of his love we're completely walking in peace mm. and yet there was this calling thing on me that i I thought God was going to fulfill, like we were going to come into some breakthrough and I'd finally have the call of God. And maybe right. there'd be people following. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the call of God, the next step, the thing that God actually had for me was answered in a prayer. I'd, I'd prayed while writing prone to love father, give me an opportunity to, to practice this revelation of your love that I could walk confident in your affection. And so he, he put me in a 2000 member Methodist church, uh, uh, that was very outside of my, um, paradigms my relationships, my streams also very program driven. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I would drive home for the first um, six weeks. I drive to work crying out to God overwhelmed with fear then i get there and i was really discovering love personified like it was mm-hmm. beautiful like i i feel like i traversed those those my time there really well but then i get back in the car the first six weeks and i come home i didn't eat like i lost almost 20 pounds and i was just a wreck and i was coming home about six weeks in and i was crying out to god i'm like god why what's this about and and i you know my my problem was is i had unknowingly determined that this was the fulfillment of the all the promises of god right (laughs) this was it this was the moment this was going to fulfill all of the stuff yeah i had arrived and uh, i'm driving home and god said jason would you give me a year and uh, uh, I chuckled because he actually, uh, he actually, it was actually two and a half years. And I knew when he said, would you give me a year? That I was, if he'd asked for two, I might have said no. But he said, would you give me a year? And I said, yeah, but why, uh, why, why are you telling me this? Because in my mind, uh, uh, I had foundationally believed that if you get in somewhere, it's, a, it's for life. Like you put your roots down, right. you give yourself fully to that. That's right. That's right thinking. Sure. But God said, Jason, I'm telling you this because I trust you. Like, I know you're going to be love personified. 
and I'm teaching you. So I'm, enjo- I'm inviting you into the moment. Yeah. Like, this is a moment. This right. isn't the rest of your life. This is a moment. And if you can live right in this moment, man, the things that are available to you, the things that you can learn and, and grow in. And I think it, it shifted my understanding of, of call. Not well, and, and I think the other thing we, we touched on was that when you're calling, when your identity is wrapped up in your calling, then if your calling changes, then where's your identity goes away. Right. You know, I, right. I mean, I experienced this in my own life with, you know, being in this position in ministry and, and when that went away, Derek went away. Like, who am I? Right. I don't even know right. who I am right. anymore. Right. Uh, planting a church in Charlotte yeah. that we had to ultimately close down. Yeah. That by all outside views was very successful. Yeah. You know, grew a hundred people a year yeah. and buying yeah, land and building buildings yeah. Yeah. and, you know, all the stuff. And man, we had to uh, like close it down completely in failure. Right. And for Sarah and I, it was like, who are we? I mean, yeah. are we even called to do this? This isn't, you know, well, the problem was our identity wasn't Christ embedded in us. Yeah. Our identity was what we were embedding <laughs> our life into. Right, right. It was the call. Right, the call. And I think I think it takes a lot of pressure off people when you say, hey, look, you've already answered the highest call you're ever going to answer. Yeah. You said yes yeah. to yeah. this That's amazing right. salvation. Yeah. Your heart has been awakened yeah. to the call of the Father yeah. to say, receive, receive yeah. this gift of the finished work on the cross. And uh, tell me a higher call. Like, honestly, what right, could possibly right. be a higher call than right. that? Everything else is just mission. Yeah. It's mission. It's it's uh, what we get to do, the excitement, exciting adventure that we get to follow right. the Father in. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off people because people uh, want to call the shots. They want to, like, play a game of nine ball. And say, hey, nine ball, corner pocket, okay, I win. When in reality, you just need to love and trust the one who is calling the shots. And let let love lead you. Could could it be that love is a leading force as well? Right. I mean, Jesus was moved with compassion, right? He he let compassion nudge him into whatever the next thing he did was. Right. Right. Why why should it be different for us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that intentionality you're talking about. Uh, you actually said, I'm going to read it, man, because, well, if I can find it. Yeah, you wrote, don't just try harder, love better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, our religious mindsets say try harder, try harder, try harder. Yeah. Religion and performance mentality is just geared towards more effort. You know, try yeah. harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I say love better. Yeah. Learn to love better. Yeah. Let it be a natural flow out of your heart. And then, you know, you cannot do this unless you've awakened to the reality of the love that the Father has for you. Yeah. It's love your neighbor as you love yourself. And yeah. so this this loving of self is saying, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend my time and my faith centered in on the love of the Father. Yeah. And as I receive His love to full capacity, then I'll be able to distribute it properly. Right. And I think that love is honestly what ultimately leads us in our calling. Yeah. That the motivation of our heart can be, uh, I'm led by love. You know? And yeah. then, then yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. opportunity presents itself in front of you, you're capable of operating in love in that situation. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's, and we've talked about this before, but for me, the, the goal in my life is, uh, is to be loved. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've used this phrase often to say that I, I think the Rosetta Stone of, of, of scriptures for me has been first John four. We love because he first loved, like, like my responsibility is to become more convinced, um, and the perfection of his love revealed perfectly through that reconciliation of the cross and, and his resurrection. And, and, and so to love someone is like this practical principle, this guide, but 
I, I look at Jesus and I go, Jesus was one with his father, living out of, out of this intimacy, living out of union. And, and he wasn't walking around trying to love people. He wasn't bootstrapping. Right. He wasn't like, oh, what does love think about this? What does he actually woke up in the morning and did the things he wanted to do. Uh, and, 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 and they were the things he, it wasn't like he was trying harder. He was just living uh, out of union. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, he was doing what love would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we have the, what would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. We campaign and, and, yeah. you know, uh, I think <laughs> the better question is, well, what would love do? That's it. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Cause, Cause love's going to be patient. Love's going to be kind. It's not going to be self-seeking. Well, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, what'd you say? It's not going to pay attention to a suffered wrong. Yes. It's, you know, all those things. That, well, and Jesus, you can justify a whip by looking to Jesus and completely get it wrong. Oh yeah. If you're not, you know, if you look at love and how love operates yeah. and you understand union, suddenly what's taking place there is way different than sometimes how you might apply oh, it. Uh, yeah. We use, we <laughs> use the Jesus in the temple overturning the money changers sure. as a justification for our it's own violence. anger. Yeah. Our own wrath. anger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah our, our own. That's our not own. what was happening in that environment. No, not, not at all. Not even, not even a little bit. Yeah. Cause he was love personified. Yeah. If he did what he saw the father do, and he said what he heard the father say, then he was doing and saying love. Yeah. Because God is love. Yeah. And so this becomes like the litmus test. I mean, John thirteen thirty five says, Jesus himself said, they're going to know you're my followers right. by your love one yeah. for another. So yeah. love becomes that attractional uh, magnetic. I mean, that's that's what drew you to the heart of the father. Yeah. That's what woke your heart up. To yeah, that's Christ right. in you, the yeah, hope of glory. That's right. Yeah. Um, right. I think that until we get this down, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for the miraculous, spectacular stuff from heaven to flow if if we can't just get the love element down. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, God will kind of do things in spite of us. I think a lot of times. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've been engaged with in ministry even that I've seen like man spectacular things happen through their life and I know they're like their their life is a mess there's a they're a wreck yeah. um that just tells me that man there's something about the love of the father that we haven't fully grasped yet right and that we need we need to get a hold yeah, of yeah 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 sometimes when I talk about love people think I'm whitewashing or right. or I'm suggesting that everything's going to be easy or you know uh, as, as though there's, uh, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that life. It's, there's, there was a cross, but for the joy yep. set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So it isn't that I'm suggesting life itself is easy. No, life's full of hard stuff, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, it's not a not a week goes by where I'm not counseling someone, where I'm not talking with someone who's experiencing death or or disappointment or betrayal or miscarriages or marriages are broken. Or, right. Like there's a lot of hard stuff, but, but the gospel is simple. Yeah. His love is easy. It's, I'm not looking for an easy life, but for me, the, the principle to love is, is a beautiful thing, but I'm actually looking for, for love to just be a natural expression. Like second nature, second nature, yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's. I think that's what Paul is getting to when he's saying, the mystery of the whole thing here is Christ embedded in you. Yeah, is actually I, I have deposited love in you. Yeah, like my yeah person, my person. Yeah, it's is within there. you. It's already there. Yeah, and so uh, Paul talked about it as Christ being formed in you. I like that. So and good. so he he said he he labored like in birth pains until Christ is formed in you, and so. Um, there was something that uh, I see it almost as an inevitable, like when you're talking about birth, I asked my wife about this, you know, like, cause I was like, Paul's talking about, he labored in birth pains. Like, Paul, what are you doing talking about birth? You, you didn't know, you don't know about birth. Right. right. And, and so I talked to Sarah you weren't even married. about this. If he was uh, married, he would have known you don't talk about birth. Well, he may have been. We think, right. we think okay. his wife may have left him. We don't know. Nobody really knows. We can't say one way or the other. He certainly wasn't against marriage. Right, but, right. But bottom line oh was, is that in childbirth, it's like, it's it's going to happen no matter what. This child is coming. Right. You know? And so there's almost an urgency to 
this this date at, at which this child is going to come. Right. And right. so <clears throat> Christ is being formed in you. Yeah. And there's going to be uh, a labor of that. There's the labor yeah. to enter into that yeah. rest yeah. of that yoke of Jesus. Yeah. But um, I, I just look at the promise in Romans that says that God preordained. Yeah that you would look like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like what an amazing promise. Yeah. And somehow it has nothing to do uh, with control and everything. Not at all. With the sovereignty of love. Lo- love never controls. Yeah. Yeah. There's always these phrases that I don't, I don't get and I just have fun with. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, like a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Right. And I'm like, a, I don't think it is, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, it's raining cats and dogs. You know all the phrases that we have. <laughs> One of the phrases was, you can't get there from here. And I would always joke. I'd always be like, well, if I'm here and I need to get there, there's only one way to get there. It's got to be from here. Like, right. I, I never understood that, that right. phrase. And I would always give people a hard time. They said, you can't get there from here. I'm, well, how else are we going to get there? Right. <laughs> it's got to happen from <laughs> here. And uh, so, I, you know, and I, we could be obnoxious about it, have fun with it. I was, my, my brother and I, uh, we're going to a youth conference a couple of years ago and, and we're driving and we're about to turn, uh, we're, it's the end of a long day of driving and there's a hotel, our hotel's right downtown St. Louis, I think. Anyway, and we, um, we turn, we got to turn left and the GPS tells us, uh, turn left. And, uh, I'm, t- I'm telling, I'm holding it. And I'm like, Joel, got to turn left here. Got to turn left. And, and he's like, I can't, I can't turn left, dude. And I finally, I look up just to catch the, the median wall that had just been newly erected huh. that stopped traffic from turning left. And so as we're, as we're driving by, I, I realized you know, the GPS hasn't caught up yet. Right, you know? and, right. And that they've put this wall in so you can't turn left. And out of my mouth comes, oh, you can't get there from here. Huh. And I, all of a sudden I started laughing because I was like, oh, well, that's what it means. And it's really simply this, uh, the phrase you can't get there from there is really about the road you're traveling on. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, most of my life, I was traveling on, how do I get in Christ? Mm. Right, right. And, and, and then there's all the different minutiae, all the studies, what would Jesus do becomes a right. study of Old Testament and New Testament, and you're getting lost in all of the minutiae of principles and all to try and, and, and get to a destination from the wrong road Mm -hmm. and and so for me the awakening that we're looking at right now is our like we're already there right like like you can't get there from rules and striving and law and religion and what's even crazier is you can't get there because you're already there right so it's like an it's like an h2o (laughs) molecule asking how do i get to the ocean yeah. yeah, you're you're in it. <laughs> you're there. Yeah, <laughs> you know you you are in the ocean with all the other H two O. That's right. Molecules. So you're awakening to the to the revelation. Right, and, right. And so I, for me, the the thing that I'm passionate about is is that love is this this thing that we can apply. That that you're talking about. You know, what would Jesus do? What would love do? I think that's the right question. But my heart is is uh, what is it? What is it to be love? Like, yeah. what is it as, because really that's what, what we're doing is we're becoming aware of the fact that we are loved, that we are becoming loved. God is love. Right. We are one with and we are becoming love. And when you begin to realize that you're becoming love, you begin to live as an expression of love. And now you're not doing this stuff out of a desire to get somewhere. Yeah. You're doing the, you're doing something out of, out of your union, out of who it's, you are, out of who you are. And it's, and it's not that, that life got easier. It's not that there isn't still difficult stuff. It's just that now you're operating from a simple place of profound truth yeah. in your identity and who he is and who you are. And, uh, and so I, I, I'll ask you this, I'll end with this cause we talked about this a little bit. I, the, the, there's a scripture. I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. The mm-hmm. passion version actually gets it right. It says, I never called you servant. I call you friend. Right. Which is, that's the reality, right? Before the fall, there was no master-slave relationship. Right. And there's none of that in heaven. Like, that's a that, that exists because of a broken... That master-slave, master-servant relationship exists because of the, of the fall and the broken, the, the broken paradigm of good and evil. Mm-hmm. But, but um, I never called you servant I, I, because 
a servant doesn't know what's in the heart of the master, but a friend, I tell everything the Father has revealed. I, I feel like like this awakening that is happening is this awakening to, to the revelation that, that we are friends with God, that we are mm-hmm. one with him, that we have union with him, and that suddenly we're living from that abundance. Jesus wasn't walking around then um, applying principles mm-hmm. to somehow get to a destination. He wasn't even really um, practicing obedience per se as much as he was an expression of union and it looked like obedience. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that's great. Yeah. If you type in the Google, if God is good, do you know what comes up? If God is good, here's the three main things that come up. Why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen? Why is there evil? What's that tell you? That most Google users, which is pretty much all of us, have a flawed understanding of God. Hey guys, I wrote a book on the sovereignty of God. God is not in control. The whole story is better than you think. Available at afamilystory.org or anywhere books are sold. To me, love went to the cross. So to, to say that love is yeah, like right. the easy way. Right, no. It's yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but love is who you really are. It, yeah. it becomes who your identity. And love empowered yeah. Him to go to the cross right. in joy. Well, the joy said before him, right. he endured the cross. I mean, yeah. I, I tell people this all the time. What was that joy? Was it was it because he would obey God? He knew he pleased the Father and he obeyed God? No. You were the joy right. set before him. Yes. He saw yes. you yes. as his destination. Yeah, yeah. I will, yeah. like Paul said, become embedded in them. Yeah. I'm entering into their blindness and their darkness, yeah. and I'm going to blow death up from the inside <laughs> out. And so oh, uh, he he really, it's not just about following Jesus. It's about allowing Jesus to come through you. Yeah. And, and, and this, this, this is what I think Paul's talking about when he's talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts. He, he is embedded within us. And this is the mystery, the mystery of Christ embedded within us. Mm. All of humanity has been reconciled to the Father. They just don't know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think love is that activator. Yeah. It's almost like a, a magnet. You know, it's like the love I'm showing. Yeah is responding to the yeah. love that's embedded yeah. in you yeah. deep underneath all that hurt, yeah. that sorrow, yeah. that pain, yeah. that sin, that whatever. Yeah. It, it's it's like this is where it's yeah. like waking something yeah. up inside of people. And, and that awakening, and I use this, I, I love using family analogies because it's, it's the best way to understand what God is like. But that awakening, like, you know, what do, what do we do? Well, you obey. You obey. What is obedience? Obedience is an act of love. Sure. God is love. So if, if you're operating in obedience, you're going to be doing something that releases reconciliation, love, kindness, mm-hmm. gentleness, self-control, all of those things, right? Um, so my son um, uh, loves juice. Mm-hmm. Have I ever told you the story? No. The uh-huh. juice story. I, sometimes I preach this. So. I, I want to hear the juice. I don't know. Hey, I don't know if I pre- preach this juice story. I don't think I have. But uh, you know, kids. You know, when they're little. Now they're older, and and, and they're finally developing uh, a little bit of self control. Self control, by the way, was the only um, gift of the spirit that I ever taught my son. He doesn't know about the others. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was the only one I seemed to be. It seemed to be the one that I you centered in on the one that was best for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one that he needed the most. It seemed to be the one that kept coming up. <laughs> I'm sure he's, he's aware of the other ones, but he's really been studying the. the That's awesome. Uh, as a kid, as a boy, uh, but uh, you know the story. You buy juice and you come home and and you um, put it in the fridge. You turn around, you come back, and it's gone. Right? <laughs> like I don't know if you you don't have to hide food at your house anymore. Probably. Uh, with my girls, it's uh, it's snacks. They're snacks. Right. Right. So do you hide snacks? No, because <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> they'll find them. They. <laughs> There's no hiding. Yeah. I don't have any more hiding spaces either. But I used to hide. <laughs> I would hide those things I would hide. 
And, uh, but the juice, you know, you would, I would tell Ethan, I would say, um, one glass of juice a day. And then Ethan would show up with a 32 ounce. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you'd have to get, uh, this glass of right, juice right, right. a day. And then you, I literally came down one day and he was pouring the juice into the cup while he was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Smart kid. Right. And, uh, and, and so I tell this story. I actually, I knew, um, a mom cause anybody who has kids in that age, I knew a mom once she told us in the season, she said, I buy two juices. This actually worked in her house. And she said, I bought two juices and then I put them in the fridge and I told my kids I peed in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, but, uh, but that wouldn't have worked for Ethan. Neither of us did. But, um, but I tell this story to say, um, I'm giving my son instructions uh, for the purpose of, I want him to learn obedience. Right. But not because I want to be a juice Nazi. Right. Not because I want to be controlling. Not because, uh, like the goal is, the dream, and, and, and we're there now, but the dream is, is that he would discover his dad's heart. He would realize there's five people in the house and he would get a, a culture of generosity right. regarding juice. Yeah. And he would begin to begin to think like his dad and, and his mom. And when he opens the fridge, he would think about everybody in the house. But before he has the ability to do that, I have to give him some just strict up, up and down rules. Yeah. But the goal isn't to control him with those rules. And the goal isn't, isn't to punish him with those rules. And the goal isn't to, um, to, to continue to add to the rules because one rule, one juice a day became, I mean, there, you, you know, all the ways in which you can, if it's about rules, if, if my relationship with God is about rules, I can't get there from here. If my right. relationship with God, it, it isn't about intimacy. It's about somehow obeying my way into the kingdom, somehow right. doing the things right. that, then, then I'm constantly measuring my juice. I'm constantly you know, yeah. figuring out a new way to get around the system. I'm constantly looking at how I can get away with attacking this person or defending that. And, and, and so as a father, the goal for my son was never um, to control his juice intake. My <laughs> goal for my son was that he would discover a culture of generosity. Right. He would think like I thought, and he'd begin to understand why, and he would ad adopt it until one day he's opening the refrigerator, and I'm not there, and I don't need to be there because he's operating right. in union, if you would, if if you yep. will, and that's that to me is what obedience is. Mm. That's that to me is what a principle is. It's why we help people with principles. It's not to do anything other than to to give them the pieces needed to discover how he thinks and moves and has his being, so that. So, so that when they wake up in the morning, they're doing the things they want to do out of the abundance of their union, yeah. uh, regardless of how difficult or easy life is. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I think that's coming back to what would love do. Yeah. Love, love would be patient. Love would be kind. Love right. would be generous. Love right. would share. Love, right. you know, love is this thing that sits above the law. Yeah. It's higher than any law. Yeah. It's a, it's a law unto itself. Yeah. And it fulfills all the other uh, obedience stuff. Right. So I kind of get the privilege of focusing on the one thing that really matters. Yeah. And it fulfills all the other things. Yeah. So love won't commit adultery. Love won't yeah. kill someone. Love yeah. won't harm, yeah. uh, you know, someone else. And so, um, that love is embedded within us yeah. because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And yeah. so, uh, I have, I have access to, the fullness of the relationship with the Father, the same as Jesus has access right, right. to the fullness of the relationship with the Father. He brought me into that relationship right. by entering into death itself. And yeah. that that's that to me is that wakes my heart up. Like I, I I feel like when people get that message, like that's good news. Right. That's really good news. Right. To to go out and evangelize by telling people, you know, you're gonna go to hell if you don't do da, 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 you know this. <laughs> right, sure. That that's just not good news, and no. it never will be no. good news. No. The good news is, we have an advocate. We have yeah. one who has taken our place. Yeah. And brought us into this union with the Father, and uh, that's the message we carry now. So evangelism becomes uh, walking around 
demonstrating love and sharing this good yeah. news yeah. of what reality really is. Yeah. There's there's a new reality. Yeah. Yeah. Some suddenly the I can't remember what I've said in, in this one in the next one, but somewhere along the way, um, the weight of the call. I mean, what you're talking about removes the weight of it does of the call and and makes the call simply the response right of living loved yeah i, I think that's a really cool way of understanding the call of god in our lives it, it, it's the res- the daily response of living loved mm-hmm. growing confident in his affection um doing doing the things that are our love uh well being well, well, growing in a revelation of his love and, and until you are actually just operating naturally or su- however you want to say it, supernaturally, but well, as an expression of love. We use the term, we use the term second nature. Yeah, like, like it's second nature for me to just go and drive a car. Yeah. You know, like yeah. now my daughter, who's going to just be learning how to drive a car, it's not second nature to her. She's learning. She's growing in it. She'll get there. Um, but now for me, I don't, even, I don't even really have to think about it. Yeah. I hop in and I do all the things because I've developed this muscle memory of yeah. doing it. Yeah. Part of part of that is I think growing in love is developing the the you know the failures that we have in it as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, but the thing is is that love is with us in that entire process. We're not ever without the one who is love living within us, embedded within us. And so um, it comes back to, you know, your true identity. Yeah. Like who you really are is Christ in you. Right. Uh, right. You're, already, you're already there. Right. And, uh, you know, it's not a trick. It's not a formula. It's, it's a life lived of learning how to love. That's good, bro. Let me, let me ask you, this is where we cut out last time. I was excited about what you were saying. Um, I, I do feel like there is this great awakening happening right now. I, I just do. I, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it like some... I think we're, we've been in a great awakening for 2,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do think there's some really sweet things happening uh, in this season. In 2021, I'm, mm-hmm. ex- I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for these days ahead. I'm excited for my kids mm. who, who have grown up um, um, convinced in the Father's affection uh, in a way that, that I knew intrinsically in my heart but didn't have the language for uh, like they do. Um, but we're also very much still in a dualistic mm. world of good and evil, uh, outside of of the church, but also within the church, you mm-hmm. you see a lot of um, left and right, whether it's political or mm-hmm. theologically, that um, that may may use the language of family. In fact, I, I I think the church is really good at using the language of family, but have been greatly exposed in some ways regarding the actual uh, right. revelation of family. And how do you? I know you'd navigate it day in and day out. Um, practically relationally as you pastor and, and, and as a husband and mm-hmm. a dad and, and a friend. But but I know you also have a public platform on Twitter. I watch you graciously love people that attack very much like how the Pharisees would um, be very offended at times with the idea that, that uh, reconciliation was the foundational approach of Jesus. How do you navigate that, man? How, how do you do that? Do you have principles? Do you have things that you, ways that you... Well, I, I think it, it starts with a fundamental uh, need to let go of the whole us-them mentality or the insider-outsider mentality. Yeah, yeah. That that's good. I'm an insider because I said yes to Jesus. Right. And someday you too can be an insider <laughs> if you'll if, jump through these hoops, right. say this prayer, walk the aisle, right. cry the cry, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Well, it shifts when you have the Christ in you mentality, the Christ embedded in you is yeah. the mystery of the whole gospel. Yeah. Now everybody's now an everyone's insider. everyone's an insider, yeah. And, and they're blind to yeah. a reality yeah. that they already have. So now all of a sudden you see every human being from a whole different perspective. And, and I can't get around this, but I think the big theme from, 
well, it's been a theme since Jesus walked the earth. Yeah. When he said, you've heard it said, but I love those right. that love you, but hate your enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the implied thing. Yeah. And he said, no, no, no. I say, yeah. love your enemies. <laughs> Do good to those yeah. that despitefully use you and persecute yeah. you. Pray for those. Um, we are heading into love your enemy territory. Yeah. There's no escaping it. That's right. And and the people that we call enemies aren't really enemies. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln, I think, said it this way. He said, uh, I destroy my enemies by making them my friends. Yeah. And so our our goal then is to see everyone as an insider. Everyone who That's has good, been bro. That's good. Who calls himself human. Because I mean we try we even segregate our our society into, you know, man, woman, black, white. Uh, management, you know, sure. labor. Yeah, sure. We've got all these different, sure. like, intersectional, you know, groupings. Yeah. When in reality, it's like, no, human being. Yeah. Loved by the Father. Yeah. Who became one of us to rescue all of us. I, I, I just, now I see people differently. It takes that us, them, insider, outsider, completely off the table. That's good. And um, That's really good. And then, then it's not about evangelism so much in terms of, like, I have a, a Roman's road that you need to walk through or a five-step <laughs> process. It it becomes you belong yeah. because of what the that's Father so good, has bro. done. And here that that's the yeah. message of reconciliation. We yeah. carry we're reconcilers. Yeah. And uh and we ourselves have been reconciled. Yeah. So um love, it just it's so cool because love sits outside the law. There is no law against love. Right. But love fulfills everything that the law would have ever demanded. Right. And uh, and Jesus fulfilled that for us. So yeah. our only option is love. Right. Like, really, that's it. Yeah. Our yeah, option, yeah, yeah, yeah. our only option is love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm remembering that I uh, the part that this, we lost in the recording was the part where we talked about football. Yes, yes. <laughs> we talked. My favorite... If, if there is an us and them that I, I thrive on, that I'm thrilled about, and it's that takes place on a 100-yard field. <laughs> That's where you allow the us-them mentality to allow, kick in? Yeah, it's where I revel in us-them, yes. my us-them lower nature. <laughs> hey, you know what? And we were talking about it earlier, but like, I'm trying to figure out who the referee is in that right, situation, right? Right, right, right. Maybe the referee, you know, it's got, he's got the black and white stripes. Yeah. He is both good and evil. Yes. Yin and yang. He's, yeah, yeah. He can go either he way. He is the God that we, I'm going to teach, at some point, he is God, the God that we teach. The ref is the God that we teach. Wow. Trying to be fair. Holy cow. You <laughs> nailed it, man. Football theology. Football theology. I love it. I love football theology. <laughs> but And it's, it's, it is it's a Sunday church that I attend. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. At some point, I am going to do a piece on that where I'm like, uh, football theology. That's that's the only place where I I thrillingly participate in the law. I love it and religion. But um, I love what you're saying uh, because because um, the thing that is going to change the world, and this seems to be the theme, the, the evangelism type theme of what we're talking about is is uh, they know we are Christians by our love. I mean, yeah. and love our enemies is the. I mean, I, I'm not even talking about right now within the, because there's a great divide within the church where, sure. where, you know, I've used this analogy a lot where, you know, Peter goes into a garden under the false understanding of what the kingdom looks like, thinks, thinks it's going to require the use of a sword right. uh, in a way that will actually take the, the ear, the head off of, of, of his brother. Yeah. And we have that happening within the church. You know, you're not really defending Jesus. You're defending your broken understanding or thoughts about him. That's happening within the church. Right. And, and yet, what is actually going to change this world is, is a, a body of believers who can, who can walk into a room and be diametrically opposed, if you will, on some of their thinking and still know how to love each other. And right. still know how to walk in union with each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me... Uh, uh, on the practical things that happen for me uh, when when someone's because I get challenged a lot I get on occasion I write something that <laughs> pokes the <laughs> pokes something and but my my heart isn't in any way shape or form to um, offend I'm not really trying to offend I'm really just trying to reveal mm-hmm. and um, and so for me uh, there's been a few things along the way that uh, that I've practically 
uh, applied. First, I'm not here to prove anything. Right. I'm here to reveal. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to be right. Uh, you know, you step away from that. I don't. This isn't about me being right or me mm-hmm. somehow. There's that need to be validated or right isn't there. I'm actually here to reveal. Right. Years ago, I had someone challenge something. I my, one of the books I wrote, and uh, and was very gracious in how they did it, but very pointed and and strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember. If I told you the story, mm. I remember I was working on. Uh, the, another book and I went into the coffee shop and I'm sitting down and I am really wrestling with this review that's come out. And so I sit down thinking, why I got her? Cause she's used scripture. She'd gone, or, you know, right line upon line. She just gone. So I thought I need to respond to this, you know? And I, I opened my Mac and I opened up a word doc and I started writing and I got about two minutes in and I heard God, I heard my father laughing. Hmm. <laughs> he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, Father, I got this lady. She really, uh, I said, I feel like I need to. He said, all right, well, whatever you do, don't make stuff up. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and and what he did, what happened was, you know, you've got that language between you and Father. I started laughing. There was this great weight that lifted off of me. I went, oh, that's right. I'm not here to react, to respond. I'm here to reveal. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have to, I had realized it would take me weeks to answer questions because some of them I didn't have answers to. Right. And and what, fa- what my father had done is he'd reminded me, you're only here. Jesus' job was not to defend. He didn't come to defend. He came to reveal. Yeah. And, yeah. And if you're here to reveal, then somebody can come at you and it's it's not about you. Yeah. It's about his love. And yeah. And you go, oh, yeah. And suddenly, oh, suddenly you don't even have to have the answer to the question they're asking. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, man, but I know he loves you. Well, and that that's where like love is more concerned about the connection than it is about yeah, the who's right and who's wrong. Right. And so like love love's gonna stay connected. Yeah. And and love in spite of yeah. uh disagreement. You know, yeah. when you use the word division, it literally means like two visions. Yeah. Yeah. One person has yeah, this yeah. vision of God. Yeah. Another person has this vision of God. Yeah. And they're diametrically opposed. Yeah. I mean, you're you're telling me that uh, God is uh, wrathful and vengeful and violent. Yeah. Um, I'm saying I don't see that in the life of Jesus. Yeah. Those are divisions. Yeah. And um, the the way to bring that to union is not by you know, belittling the other person. Yeah, it's yeah. just by continuing to proclaim what is the truth. Yeah. And yeah, the truth yeah, yeah, is yeah. an interesting, uh, uh, not just concept. Truth is an interesting person. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and and if you genuinely are pursuing truth, you're going to bump into him. Yeah. So that's you know, good. Bro. I am the way, that's the it. truth, and the life. It's not on you. To, yeah. That's to, it. To convince somebody. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I for me, family is the long game. So I'm in the long game, mm-hmm. and and so suddenly I'm free to interact. Also, I re- I remember when I realized Jesus really wasn't bothered by people's thoughts about him. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Like he he just was love, and he didn't care if if you interpreted love wrong. Yeah. He just would keep loving. Yeah. Because love wins, and at the end of the day, whether it's in this generation or the next generation or the generation after that. Love is going to win. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, he, he could say things like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. and uh, Or have the accusation of, well, you cast out demons by Beelzebub himself. Right. You know, right, it's like, right. And I love, I love that Jesus... <laughs> and not get caught off. Wait, whoa, no, no. That's not what I do. No, that's not no what I, I do. don't do that. No. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's a matter of like, uh, just keep, like, just keep going down the path that you're going. Yeah. Um, and, and keep revealing yeah, and, and I love how you do it, and I feel like I'm learning this as well. Um, it's not that I'm not going to speak truly. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm not even going to. I feel like, to be honest, probably where most of my challenges come, they're, they're coming at those in leadership mm-hmm. uh, within the church, mm-hmm. particularly. I, I For me, leaders, those that have, are, are actually over or, some, or have influence in people's lives, um, I don't mind um, speaking directly. Right. I don't mind. It's just that it's always going to be kind. Yeah. It's all. It's and it's not about being right. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, you're in good company. I mean, Jesus was the uh, the one that came and his 
difficulty was with leadership. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I do think that the paradigm of leadership that we're talking about. Sure, that's a good conversation. Is the greatest among you will be servant of yeah, all. That's really good. And so if, if you're a leader, um, then you're serving people. Yeah. And, it's not uh, about who's following you. Right. No, it's absolutely. <laughs> that whole paradigm's got to shift. It does. Yeah. It has to shift. And because uh, Jesus, if he's ultimately our example, then our leader was willing to die yeah. for us. Yeah. And it, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't about how big the audience <laughs> to was. lay down his life. Yeah. yeah. There's no greater love than someone that would lay down yeah. their life for their friends. So, yeah. are you willing to serve to the degree? Yeah. That you're going to lay down. Yeah. Yeah. And say, I, I, I love, I love telling people I don't know. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Like when we you know, get into argue, yeah, I don't. I can argue all day long about hell, or argue all day long sure. about something else. It's like you know what? Ultimately, I don't. Know. I don't know. And you know what? You don't know either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you genuinely don't yeah. know. Yeah. We will. We will one day know. Well, and it's and it's it's a it's a pretty good place to be to be able to say, I don't know. For me, the phrase is, I don't know, but he's good. Right. Like I I don't. I know, love that. But I I won't leave. This is where I'm I'm gonna stay. I really don't know that. I had someone call uh, the other day, and they they wanted. Um, I had someone call the other day asking about an Old Testament scripture that painted God in bad light. Mm-hmm. Um, where, well, there's plenty you can find them. Oh yeah, you know, flip a page and yep. and uh, and this particular story that was was she was really wrestling with. And there's some stories that I've spent a great deal of time in, and actually. I actually can go, you know what, this is, you can actually find where Jesus talks about this and you can take that and apply it here and go, oh, this, but there's other stories where I haven't spent as much time. And this particular story she asked me about, I was like, I haven't spent any time there. So I'll tell you what, I, I, I have no idea what was happening there. I don't understand it, but God didn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And, And she didn't know what to do with it for a second. She was like, what do you mean? God didn't do it. It's, it said he did. I'm like, yeah, God didn't do that. Right. And she said, how do you know? I said, because it's not what Jesus is like. Yeah. She's like, but do you know anything? Like, can you give me more? I'm like, sorry, I haven't spent any time there. I, I bet you I can point you and give me a little time. I could probably point you. God can give, but maybe he'll give you revelation on that. Yeah. Um, but I'm just telling you, that's not what God's like. Yeah. She was like, I don't know what you've just done for me, but I feel a freedom. I've never, <laughs> I haven't felt this kind of, I am so excited. And I just said, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, I think people like, could it be true yeah. that God is actually like Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> and and the answer is yes, yes it is. Yes, and um, you know this is reason. This is the reason why Marcion wanted to rip out passages in the Old Testament right. that didn't show God as pure love exactly as represented in Jesus. Yeah, and and he was considered a heretic for sure, that. Sure, and here's why: the Bible isn't all a revelation of God. Yeah, it's also a revelation of us. And it's a revelation of things that we can attribute to God that are not a part of his character. Yeah. So the, the narrator, the author That's of right. yeah. those yeah, yeah. texts yeah. had a view of God that was partial. And it was subjected to what the culture of the day yeah, was, which was right. more of a Zeus-like wrathful yeah. God. Yeah. Jesus comes along and says, no, you've, so here's, the like, new, here's the new hermeneutic. Yeah. Yeah. I have come to give to give life and life more abundantly. Yeah. Steal, kill, and destroy is the enemy. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I, he said, you know not what spirit you're of, right? Yeah, right. Or he said, you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, and that was, they'd actually pulled that. They wanted to pull fire down on a city, and that was actually biblical. Exactly. <laughs> if they could have said, well, b- biblical precedent says we can partner with the spirit of death over this city. And yeah. Jesus says, uh, you don't even know what you're talking about. I've come to save men's lives yeah. and destroy them. Yeah, well, I mean, Brad Jerzak says anytime that the uh, written word contradicts the living word, yeah. I'm going to go with the living word. Yeah. His yeah. name is Jesus, yeah. Yeah. and I'll stick with that. Yeah. I think, here's another thing I think as a pastor, I can confidently say this. If God is a God that would command genocide of, of an entire nation, men, women, children, donkeys, yeah. If he truly is that God, yeah. I want nothing to do with him. That's right. Yeah. I, I can honestly yeah, say that. I can honestly say that too. Yeah. Because I say I want I want the God that looks like Jesus. And people say, Well, you don't get to make that decision because the Bible says, No. Right. Jesus says, Yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah. 
And I can confidently say that. Yeah. So um, we, that that really starts <laughs> wrapping people up in yeah. like... We just poked like a huge thing <laughs> at the very end of this podcast, which we'll have to spend time on. The reason I brought that up, though, is because um, I love that I don't know. The ability to say... Uh, even in right. light of scripture, somebody calls and they say, hey, what about, I don't know. I, I don't know. And you know what? There's some great theologians out there. I know we had Chris Green on. There's like all kinds of people that are beginning to un- unpack this. But mm-hmm. that freedom to be able to go in a, in, a, in a discussion, I'm not here to have all your answers. I don't, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know that answer. But I know that he's good. Mm-hmm. I know he looks like Jesus. And I, I'm confident that I can give you that. Yeah. So man, I love that. I, we, I mean, we could, we could. <laughs> we'll have to do. We'll have to do one. We will. And we have. We have, and we'll do it again. But what are you thinking? No, this is good. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I love our times together. Yeah, me too. Hey guys, we're so glad that you are joining us for season two of Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, you can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias yes. as Pastor Derek T. D E R E K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. You gotta follow him on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is, uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms. You can also go to afamilystory.org. And everything's there. If you sign up for our mailing list, we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles, podcast information, and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to. So yeah. uh, like, share, retweet, and, uh, and man, if you could write a review, it, it actually does something for the rankings. It, it, it does, it yeah. So. But a five-star review, of course. If, yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review or something, <laughs> like, just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that. And then apply that to this <laughs> podcast, definitely. That's my motto. That's I like, what I do. I love it. So, love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless.